0: Hello there. Sean Weiss, you're with me. Sean, Sean. With you. This is, I'm with you. This is this is Paul Carruthers. I'm the communications manager from Moto America. And this is on off track with uh, Paul Carruthers and Sean Weiss. Sean, you're out there in Ohio and you probably have better weather than we do because it's pissing down rain and I'm sick of it. My dog doesn't even want to go outside to go to the bathroom.
1: <laughs> we finally got snow here last saturday and it's still on the ground we're getting a little bit more today but that crazy rain you guys have been getting apparently is coming all across the country and there's supposed to be snow all over the place coming this weekend so thanks for bringing, sending that to us not too well, cool it's
0: just it's just stupid here because you know we're always in a drought um right because it, it just rains so infrequently but then when it rains it just like it just doesn't stop and then this place isn't built for rain, and the roads flood, <laughs> and nobody knows how to drive, and it's a nightmare. Mudslides. I got sick. Any oh, muds- I think Malib- Malibu's got some because obviously, with the fire issues they had, that there's there's no brush anymore to keep things together, so the the mudslides get bad too. So the fires kill us in the summer, and then you know you get some rain um, that you hope helps with the fires later, and all it does is uh is cause mudslides. And now right. I've got a damn, I've got a damn cold. And when I get a cold, it's like, I feel like I should just check myself into intensive care. Um, cause I'm kind of a baby, but. <laughs> That's all right. We'll get through it. We'll get through it. I'm good.
1: Hey, I wanted to ask you, have you, I, you, you've seen the movie Napoleon dynamite, right? I have seen Napoleon. Dynamite. You, seen yes. you know, it's a great movie. It's one of my favorites. Do you remember the part where he gets some quick part-time job, uh, doing something with chickens. And he says to the guy before he starts the job, do the chickens have large talons? And the farmer says, do they have what? And Napoleon says, large talons. And the farmer said, I don't understand a word you just said. You know that part I'm talking about? It's just, <laughs> no. The, the oh, it's so hilarious. It's like, mostly the guy doesn't understand it because the farmer is a bit of a doofus in any, well, so is Napoleon. But my point in this thing is that, You know, we've talked about words in different variations of dialects around around the country. And the the thought came up to me that you can have people who both speak the same language that really don't understand each other, what the other person is saying. Um, I've talked to Matthew Skoltz about this a little bit because, you know, he's from South Africa and uh, Cam Peterson is from I think he's from Johannesburg. And uh, so Matthew, he equates it to. Uh, Durban where where Matthew lives on the coast is like California, whereas Johannesburg is probably equivalent to like what Ohio is. So they don't speak the same. They speak a language, but I'm sure you know that a lot of South Africans speak Afrikaans, which is a Dutch dialect. And Matthew says sometimes he can't even understand a lot of what what is being said in his own country. So the reason I'm bringing this up and this background that we've had about talking about Tukes and American chop suey and goulash, and how things are different in different parts of the country. It occurred to me that the guest that we have on today, um, he's from Texas, and recently he has been well, not that recently. He's been a couple of years now. He's becoming fluent in Spanish. And uh, the one thing I wondered about is for a guy that grew up well, he didn't really grow up in Texas. He was in Alabama, but. You know, he's lived in Texas a lot of his life and he really is almost completely devoid of an accent. He doesn't sound like he's from Texas or from Alabama, but he's now learning Spanish. And it occurred to me, I wonder if when he goes into bodegas or convenience stores in Texas, whether the Hispanic speaking population there, does he speak to them in spanish once in a while and would they even understand it because it's like i've heard when tony Elias talks to richie escalante they understand each other but not all that well because it's two different kinds of spanish and paul i mean you you've traveled all around the country how have you experienced that i mean you obviously are australian you mostly well you speak pretty pretty much american english at this point but you know some australians are a little hard to understand. Um,
0: so I, I, you know know. What I, mean? I can't understand, I can't understand a word you just said. <laughs> 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 <That's>... <laughs> <laughs> could, could you repeat that story? <laughs> it's
1: well, all about chickens having large talons is what it is. So.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I imagine, I imagine most languages, um, and throughout Europe and Spain is the same. Um, there's different, there's different ways of speaking the same language and it does You know, it's like it's somebody from way down south, for example, speaking to somebody from San Francisco, it's going to be a little bit different. Um, Right. And like you said, you you can understand it. It's just different. Um, And I'm sure that's the same way. I'm sure that's the same way with the Spanish language. I know it's different in in Mexico than it is in Spain, for example. But I think for the most part, (laughs) our next guest can probably understand both. Um, Right. And he's a pretty smart young boy. Um, I think we're talking about Garrett Gerloff. Is that who you're talking about? Or is it Doug Yeah. Uh, you said.
1: <laughs> Garrett Gerloff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Garrett no Gerloff. <laughs> doubt.
0: So um, I'm going to welcome Garrett in in a second. Um, obviously, most of you who listen to uh, this show would would know who Garrett Gerloff is. He's a two time Moto America Super Sport champion. Uh, this year he moved up to Superbike and finished fifth in the championship. Uh, he had five podiums finished second place twice. Uh, he's just back from Yamaha's test at Buttonwillow, which is uh, a few hours north of the uh, Los Angeles area. And I believe he's been staying in Los Angeles of late. Um, he, I, I think from talking to him at the end of the season, um, I don't think he was overly pleased with his rookie season in Superbike racing. I think he expected a lot more. And I think he's one of those guys that a lot of people expected a lot more out of. But if you actually look at his season, um, you know, it's it's nothing to be uh, it's nothing to be embarrassed about. I, like I said, he finished fifth in his in his first season of Superbike Racing and he got on the podium five times. So that's more yeah. than you can uh, shake a stick at. So let's bring uh, let's bring Garrett into the room now. And, and like I said, he's uh, he's just returned from what I believe is his first uh, first official test of the season. So um, welcome, Garrett. How are you?
2: Um- finally geez you have no idea how many <laughs> times i wanted to say something through that whole what is it now seven minutes of, <laughs> God, of all right i'm here yeah i'm uh thanks for having me on finally were you gonna correct us a bunch of times on what we were saying i just i just had so many things i wanted to say about the like the rain out here like yeah i'm sick of it too it's uh <laughs> i almost killed myself last night driving back from butwell actually with all the rain on the road um, nobody was driving in the HOV lane cause they were scared they were going to hydroplane. So I was like, Oh, I'll do it. And I only, it was just me in the van. So I wasn't even allowed to be in the HOV, but I took my, I took my chances. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, I, there was actually a reason why nobody was in the HOV lane. Cause there was definitely standing water and I was hydroplaning left and right, but I got home it, So, uh, I didn't hit the wall, but, uh, dude, definitely the, the wheel will turn pretty violently when you hit a, hit a pretty, when you hit a big puddle, uh, so, um, so yeah, what, I don't know, whatever. scary. And, uh, what else were you guys talking about? Uh, about Napoleon Dynamite, my favorite well, movie, yeah. Sean. Thanks for that. You, I didn't know that. Hey, so yeah. you know the talons part, right? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Do the chickens have large talons? <laughs> the, guy great, says,
1: like, <laughs> the guy says, I don't know a word you just said. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. No, that's
2: a great movie. That's all. It's like one of the worst movies ever. The first time you watch it, but then you yes. watch it for the second time and you like, Oh, you just catch stuff that, that you didn't see the first time. And it's great. And, uh, Absolutely. and then you guys are talking about what the Spanish stuff, whatever. Yeah. I've been, I've been doing that a lot. Uh, it's actually pretty funny. It's, it's, um, it's like mainly what me and Laura my my girlfriend, it's like what we speak most of the time is is Spanish, uh, which I love. Cause I've, uh, I've always wanted to do it, but, but she's kind of the one that gave me the, uh, the, like the motivation to do it. And so it's been like a pretty cool two years of, uh, that journey. And, uh, and yeah, it is way different from, Spain and Mexico and like how they speak and how they say different things like, uh, and everything, but whatever, I'm rambling. So, uh, do, yeah. you, ever talk, wait, wait, wait.
1: do you ever talk to people at, do you ever go into like, uh, a Seven Eleven or a circle K down in Texas <laughs> when you're home and see somebody that's Mexican or clearly that is speaking that way. And you just strike up a conversation with them in Spanish or is it, is it, do you understand what they're saying? I guess what I'm, uh, is what I'm getting? Yeah.
2: At. Well, I mean, sometimes I, I try to, but they, they don't give me the time of day. <laughs> <laughs> and I, don't, I don't think i don't think i sound too bad but also i'm scared to kind of like i i don't know it's kind of yeah it's weird to say but you know i i see somebody and i think they look spanish but i'm al- i'm almost scared to just like try because i don't want to like offend them if they sure. don't speak spanish or something like that so it's right. all just like it's kind of complicated i i kind of wait for somebody else to do it before i i chime chime in but uh nobody thinks nobody thinks the gringo can speak uh spanish so they don't <laughs> even try
1: <laughs> well let me put it this way does the when you're going in there to get your big gulp which i'm sur- sure you do just like i do uh because you're you're into training like the way i train um, but when you go into these stores and you hear a couple p- people speaking spanish they probably don't think you can understand them have you ever heard anything juicy or interesting
2: i uh, not not really i i mean i definitely try to say low-key because I, I like having that kind of uh yeah like oh uh, they, they think i don't know what they're saying but i do and <laughs> <laughs> now, um, like I said, that's kind of one of the things, honestly, like, um, I mean, obviously I'm from, or I'm living in Texas. There's a lot of, uh, people from South America that, that live in, in Texas. And I honestly, I, I have trouble understanding what they're saying just because it's right. such a different dialect and, uh, the, the expressions that, that, that they use don't, don't make any sense to me, but, um, but I, I can understand a lot of, uh, the Spain stuff. Cause I've, I've like studied the expressions and, and like, I know a lot of like, uh, I don't know. Everything I just has, it just makes more sense to me, but, um, yeah, whatever. Um, but, uh, so no, I, to answer your question, no, I, I haven't heard anything juicy yet, <laughs> but I'm always, I'm always listening. Trust me. I'm always listening.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. That's I awesome. got, I got something. Let, let's go back to this girlfriend thing. This girl, Laura, that that's Cameron Bobier's sister, right?
2: yeah 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 grp you got that right (laughs) no wait well what did he say what did he say he was like no that uh that cameron was dating tony's sister i think that's what it was oh so he had it backwards yeah he had it backwards but uh yeah no that would be that would be tony Elias's sister so it's uh okay yeah and i'll let you go from there
0: how does that um how does that work like i mean you don't have to get into the the gory details obviously because i kind of know how things <laughs> work but i've been around this block but anyway um how does it work like is, do you have a good relationship with tony and is that based on uh your racing with him or is it based on the relationship you have with his sister i mean does it get weird or is it is it pretty normal
2: no i think it's uh actually i literally just got back from eating with tony and we went to the gym and trained together uh today so uh I mean, we both know that we're trying to beat each other and, uh, and we're both rivals and everything. And, you know, we're all fighting for the same, that same trophy at the end of the day. Um, we both know that, but honestly, uh, he's helped me a lot with just little things, you know, um, I'll have like a, a question or something and he's, he's has no problem helping me. Uh, you know, he wants me to, to be up there fighting with, um, with everybody as as bad as I do, just because it helps, uh, it helps create the show that we all want to want to have, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and so I think he, he realizes that and, and he's all about helping, which is really cool. Um, I mean, sometimes it's like during the season, it's always a little bit kind of, I mean, everybody's different. I kind of have, not that I have trouble being friends with the people I race against, but it's, uh, you know, I want to, I want to go out and I want to go into a race, like not thinking about, um, at the end of the day, how everything's going to turn out. Like if I got to stuff somebody, like I want to be able to do that clear conscience and, uh, and not have to come back to somebody, you know, I don't know, you know, it just gets kind of, it gets a little complicated. Uh, maybe that's just me doing that on my own. But, um, but, uh, no, I mean, me and Tony have a good relationship and I think it would be like that even if, uh, me and, and Laura weren't dating. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with the guy. He's super nice, super cool. And and obviously means and Laura have a good relationship. So yeah, no problems.
1: I, d- I don't think that you know this, Garrett. Uh, I don't think that Paul has told you this before, but Paul actually said he wants you to wear a picture of Laura on the back of your leathers. <laughs> to see what Tony does. Hey, that was oh, between us, Sean. Come on. <laughs> I think it's I think it's great racecraft, myself. Uh, well, you, know, you, know,
0: you know, how the motocross guys will get to each other a little bit with those butt patches. I thought maybe you could. That have would be one so funny,
2: butt. dude. <laughs> that would be so funny. Yeah. Jeez. I That'd mean, I think, but, I think first I got to be in front of Tony. So that's, that's challenge number one, but de- <laughs> definitely, right. definitely, uh, that's, that's in my new bag of tricks that I think I might have to pull out at some point. So
0: right now you'd have to have it on your face shield. So he thought when he looked back, <laughs>
2: Oh, come on. <laughs> I did. Hey, I beat him in a couple races this year. I can't Pittsburgh was one of them. I can't think of any others, but, but, uh, I, at least, at least one race, I did beat him. So. Uh, so yeah
1: <laughs> it's funny because yeah I mean Paul and I remember I don't know if you do Garrett or Garrett or have heard about it but back in the day well you might have because of ben, it was Ben Spees back in the day when Matt Maladen called Ben Spees a mama's boy and and Ben put mama's boy on the back on the butt of his <laughs> leathers and got in front of Matt, Matt a bunch of times with that so remember? no I love Paul, it I
2: like that yeah yeah That's that kind cool. of rivalry that rivalry yeah. I like that um but I mean, it is good to, at the end of the day to be friends. Cause we're, I mean, we all are in the same community and so right. I think it's probably better to have friends than enemies, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, as of now we're all good. So, you know, yeah. I hope that doesn't that, change, but races and all that can and pressure in general, uh, can make things change. So we'll see. But, um, but no, it, everything's yeah. awesome right now.
0: It seems to me that going into this year, I mean, we've had rivalries before, obviously Cameron and, and Tony, um, you know, I think that that that's a fire that could start pretty easily with a little spark. Um, but I, I for some reason, I think like the whole Heron thing being in that mix of of what I see as you four guys um, being the factory guys. And then, you know, obviously Skulls and and uh, and JD now. But don't, do, don't you think that Heron kind of brings a different dynamic to it? Or am I wrong with that?
2: As far as the rivalry stuff goes?
0: Yeah, as far as like him, I, 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 he just, you know, you know him, he's just the type that he's, he's not, uh, he's not afraid to, you know, say some stuff or try to get some stuff going. And I, I just kind of anticipate a little bit of that this year, which I think
2: will be fun. Oh yeah. hundred percent. No, for sure. I think it's already coming out. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> I saw that, that stuff. I've, I've seen... he did. Yeah. There's a couple, uh, I mean. I, I don't mind it I I I know he thrives on it for sure he likes the rivalry stuff uh, and it it's what motivates him to go out and, and push hard and win and that's cool we all got to do what we got to do to find that motivation and and uh, you know f- find what we need to push that little bit extra um, I like it too I like I like having um, I, I mean I think it, I think it helps me a little bit but maybe not to the same extent Um I mean, really, at the end of the day, it's, it's me against myself. So that's kind of, that's my biggest rivalry. And I gotta, I gotta, you know, h- handle that, tame that before anything else. So I try to, I try to keep to myself, focus on myself and, and kind of go from there. Um, for me, that's what, what works the best. So I'll, uh, I think everybody knows, but I try to stay out of all that stuff. Um, and that's probably going to, I'm going to try to keep that position this year, but you never know. It's, it's going to be a tough, you know, tight year with all the guys that we have in the superbike class now. It's, pretty nuts when you think about it i mean i would say we got eight eight guys um at least that are going to be fighting you know most of the races to be in that top that top three so mm-hmm. i'm uh i'm excited for the challenge i think it's gonna make all of us better riders and really at the end of the day that's what that's what i want to do um more than anything i mean i want to win obviously too but i, I want to be the best rider that i can be so that i can keep uh moving forward in you know my career and and, uh, and things like that. And I don't want to be, I don't want to be stagnant. I don't want to just be content. Like I, I want to keep, uh, pushing to be better and better. And, and I think that's what it's going to bring this year.
1: Garrett. So I, I want to ask you, Garrett. So I'm going to ask you. you about, uh, with about Matthew Skoltz <laughs> a little bit. Sorry, we do this from time to time. We, we both <laughs> want to talk. We're so anxious to talk to you, but all
2: right, well, um, all right. Sean, you ask your question and then Paul, you ask your question. I'll decide which one I want. Okay, <laughs> well,
1: my, mine's gonna mine's going to take a little bit, but I'm not sure if Matthew Skoltz mentioned this to you or not. But so he was he was obviously delighted and honored that he was a Superbike Rookie of the Year. But by the same token, there was a part of him that felt like he, he didn't feel that he was a rookie because even though he wasn't on a true Superbike last year, he was on a leader bike and a quasi-Superbike. You were the only one um, in really... Beyond the top ten, that was on was on a leader bike and a super bike, uh, factory for that matter. Uh, for the first time in your career, and you managed, you were fifth. So it was kind of like in the if you if you qualify it in that way, you were kind of rookie of the year from that respect. I know you probably wanted to be higher than fifth. I actually thought you were going to win a race or two. You got two two seconds, uh, one at Utah and one at at Pittsburgh. So that was pretty tremendous. Um, how do you feel in general about, about your season? Did you expect you were going to win? And, you know, how do you feel about that rookie of the year thing?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, I, I think Matthew definitely does deserved it. Like, I mean, yeah, maybe I was the only like true rookie, but, um, you know, as things go the way they go and, and he had a better position than me in the end, in, in the end. So for sure, mm-hmm. all, you know, it goes to him. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was, uh, a tough year. We definitely had some challenging moments and I also had some other moments that I think were really good and I was able to, uh, you know, shine a little bit, maybe um, not, not as much as I, I would like to. I definitely, I mean, my goal this year uh, in 2018 was to win at least one race and, and have one pole position. And it really frustrates me that neither one of those happened. Um mm-hmm. Second was, was nice. It felt like I was kind of making some progress, but it just seemed like, uh, every time that I would, I would start getting some momentum and feel good. Uh, it's just the the thousands, not, not an easy bike to tame. And there's a lot of good, good guys, good racers that are around me. So it's, uh, it's not easy. Everybody, everything has to be as close to perfect as, as possible. And, uh, yeah, just, it was, um, it was tough. You know, I would make a mistake and, uh, end up going down and having a DNF or, or, uh, you know, just, just things like that. Um, so that, that was kind of the biggest thing holding me back. I think I had four, four DNFs this year, which I've never had in my whole, mm. my whole racing career. The most I've the, uh, every year that I've raced, um, I finished a hundred percent of the races except for 2014 and, uh, 16 also. Uh, but I mean, other than those, like I, I've never really had a DNF. I've always been able to get back on the bike and at least finish the race, maybe not mm-hmm. get a good position, but finish the race. And this year, man, I got, I got hurt at Virginia. That was two races that I, uh, that I missed out on. I had a big crash at Pittsburgh, um, which sucked. I, I and that was one of the weekends that I was feeling really good and felt like I would be able to contend for the, uh, you know, the top spot. Um, but just, just wasn't, wasn't meant to be. And then, um, you know, at the last race at Barber, when I, uh, when I made contact with, with Tony, actually, which is kind of funny, uh, mm-hmm. it, you know, ended up on my head and. And you know, on this third or second fourth lap or something like that. So it's just frustrating. I feel like I have a lot of potential. I feel like I have uh every I mean, obviously I have everything that I need. I got a factory bike, I got the same bike that won the championship this year. So there's nothing missing in in that regard. Just a little bit of um experience. There's a lot of there's a lot of different, there's a lot of ways you can go wrong on a super bike. There's so much that you can change. Um, and there's so many different ways of looking at something like some a few times this year we were looking to make uh differences in the geometry of the bike and how it is like entering and mid corner but through the electronics so just stuff that you would just outside of the box stuff that that you can do to change the way these bikes work um and it can kind of get you can kind of get lost you can get a little bit uh it can get complicated everything so it's um yeah just trying to find that that path of simplicity but also getting the results that that you want. Um, i mean yeah like i just got back from my test yesterday from at button willow and and uh nice to get on a bike and now we're you know gonna start putting everything into uh just get just making everything better that's that's the whole goal is to make the bike better for me and a little bit more um a little bit more rideable and yeah so that's what uh we got some some new parts this year that i'm really excited about and i think are gonna help me so yeah just gonna keep uh gonna keep going like that because this year i definitely have the same goal as last year, at least win one race and at least have one pole. But I mean, really I, I want to be right there for the championship. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you ready for me now? <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to, yeah. Come on, Paul.
0: Well, I remember, um, I, I think it was probably around the same time of the year last year when I went to Buttonwillow for your first ride on the Superbike. I, I mean, you just went back to Buttonwillow and you had a full year under your belt. It, were you, did you, uh, a year ago, were you overestimating what you thought could happen based on now that you've had that year?
2: Uh, over, overestimating like the results that I thought I could get.
0: Yeah. Like when, when you rode that bike for the first time a year ago, were you like, okay, I'm going to be fine on this thing, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and then did you, did you suddenly realize how difficult it was? And also, I mean, you got third in your first race and you're like, oh, are you thinking at that point? Oh my God, this is easy or did you know things weren't no definitely not definitely not
2: easy i mean yeah when i first showed the bike last year i was like damn this thing is uh definitely a little bit more of a monster than i thought it would be um yeah it is like you think there's 600 to to a thousand um yeah it doesn't i don't know for me it doesn't seem like a big jump but i mean there's almost you know there's a lot there's a lot more horsepower and and the same amount of weight basically you know more or less so that's a big that's a big change in in uh how the bike works and everything and the first time I rode it, I was like, man, this is going to be a little bit more difficult than I kind of had imagined, but nothing, nothing impossible. Like I, I didn't think that I couldn't do it. I was just like, all right, well, you know, let's get to work and figure out how to make this bike exactly how I want. Um, because I had just ended the super, the 600, uh, this, the super sport championship with a bike that I thought was perfect for me. Like every, so I knew exactly kind of what I was looking for on uh, how I wanted the bike to react and everything. And we got to work and, and got the bike pretty good. And man, in testing, I had some really good times and some really good stints, you know, not just for a couple laps for uh, a sh- uh, long string of laps. So I, uh, I was definitely confident. And I mean, I remained confident through the whole year that I could do it. It's um, just trying to trying to deal with setbacks and, and uh, things like that, that can be the, the hardest thing. Um, and just overcoming mistakes that uh, that I make or, or you know, that, that, that the team makes is trying to overcome all of that and, and, uh, and still go out and get the results, um, that I kinda, I kinda struggle with a little bit, but, um, I, what, what was the, gosh, I lost, I got lost. What was the question? Just to- I think, I think you answered it yeah
1: you answered it we We saw that you were so fast early on, and it's not that you weren't during the year, but it was like, oh my God, he's going to light the world on fire and and you know it you came to back to earth not literally, but you came back to earth a little bit during the year as we knew you were well, I, I
2: came back to earth a couple of times so. yeah literally, literally. I, I didn't know. Yeah, I ended up on the ground a few times. So, right, but I mean, right. that's a part. That's a part of learning and everything, which right you know, I I did, and I got to go through that process. Um, sure, but I mean, for sure. Okay, yeah, I guess that was one of the things that I missed. Like in testing, everything felt not not easy, but all of the changes that we made really impro- like improve the bike and how I felt on the bike. So I was like, you know, I just I just felt like I was on a super steep incline of like improvement. And then it's like as as when we got to the first race to at uh at Rhode Atlanta, it was like we plateaued and maybe even went backwards. So it, and like everything that we tried to change to make the bike feel better felt like it made the bike feel worse and and then we would go back to like what we ended testing with and it just didn't feel I don't know like there was just something going on um that that's that wasn't easy to explain. And for a few races we kind of got back that that same sensation but I think it was just a lot of things at once and um you know I think part of it was was me sorry was me too um obviously the rider has a big part of how the bike functions so i can't blame it all on on the bike but uh yeah just just parts of learning so um you know i had i really wanted to to win i i and i thought i could and and i i know i can you know I, i know that's not out of the question but uh but yeah just just gotta figure some stuff out and and uh ride like i know how to ride and i'll be set
1: you know, Garrett, you had a couple of other factors at play, and I, I've got a kind of a two-part sort of thing I want to talk to you about, or at least kind of a question. So the first one has to do with going back to, believe it or not, Road Race Factory. And when J.D. Beach was at, at Road Race Factory, Scotty Jensen was his crew chief, and Mike Canfield was Jake Gagne's. So when J.D. came to the Yamaha team to be your teammate, it was seemed so odd that It wasn't Scotty that came over; it was Mike Canfield who came over, and Mike was, you know, didn't knew JD but didn't really work with him. Well, obviously they got close together. They did a lot of stuff, and they won the championship. And then, lo and behold, this past year, it happened again. (laughs) One of JD's guys became was on your crew, and you know, it, it just was a weird kind of a mix up of things, and you sort of inherited. Josh Hayes' team, but not really because Jim Roach obviously wasn't crew chief anymore. Glenn was new as a crew chief. Mike was a former crew chief, and it's got to be tricky to be, go from a crew chief to be a crew member. Um, there were a few things at play there, and I know you're never going to blame your crew, and I'm not trying to blame your crew. I'm just saying there were some interesting things at play there. So let me ask you it this way. Um, was there a learning curve there? And do you feel going into this year, it's a little more integrated and, 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 you know, you're ready to go a little better maybe than last year? or, or is it the same?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's always a, uh, there's always a period of time where everybody's trying to figure out how the other person works and how we all work together and communicate. And, uh, and so, yeah, there's, there's always like, uh, it's an, an amount of time that you got to go through to figure all that stuff out. And, and, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think we did it pretty fast. And throughout the year we all, we all had good communication. We were able to discuss all the stuff that was going on and how we can keep improving and, But now that, yeah, now that it's behind us, I think we're in a lot better place this year as a starting point than we were last year, obviously. And, uh, and yeah, now, now my crew chief has one year under his belt, um, which is awesome. Um, that experience is what we all need right now. And, and, uh, and yeah, Mike being, um, a mechanic, I mean, everything's working great, but there there was a lot of newness around, um, my whole part of the team, which, uh, which, not didn't not that it caused problems, but, um, yeah, everybody, you know, there's just a, you just got to figure everything out. Uh, right. and so this newness is newness is always kind of a challenge no matter, no matter where it comes from. And, um, uh, but I mean, we all got through it and, and for sure this year, I mean, you know, I think we're, uh, we're starting at a way better point. So uh, there's nothing, uh, nothing for us put forward now.
1: <laughs> now the second part of what I want to talk to you about is going back to super sport again, the, the year that, um, when you won the championship, Uh, your second time and you got the ride on the super bike from that, that situation. And obviously JD didn't, but it all worked out in the end and here he is going to be in super bike again, but let's go back to that. A lot of people oversimplified that season. And I I know I have, I've talked to JD about it and he hates this as as an excuse, but I think you know what I'm going to talk about when they introduced that tire that finally fit that rear wheel on the, on the bike um, you went great guns on it and JD had trouble. Now he says that wasn't it. There was a lot of other things. It it was a factor, but it wasn't completely that. So regardless of whether that was the thing or not, you come into this year, you tested, I believe you tested on that new, uh, larger tire in the preseason. And, you know, then they introduced it at Road America. So my question to you is, did that new tire, even though you tested on it, did it catch you out? And from what Cameron Bobier told me, it wasn't the rear tire for him. It was that new extra soft tire that made the difference for him and really clicked for him during the season. Did you struggle with that new tire and adapt to that extra soft was, was the tire a factor this year for you?
2: I, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so. Um, yeah. I mean, for the, uh, what's funny, let's go back to, to 2017 when that, when okay. we got, first got the one eighty uh rear tire for the 600 um, it's actually kind of funny because JD beat me in the, in the first it would have been probably the first two races, but the first race on the uh, on the new tire. So I would say he adapted a little bit more quick. But then, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, it, it actually it did help a lot and it made the bike feel just as a whole way, way better and, and way everything happened the way I thought it, sh- it should and I thought it would happen. And it just gave me that confidence of uh, predictability and knowing what the bike was going to do before it before something happened. And and that really helped me kind of gauge everything and how I want to set the bike up a lot um for the for the super bike and the new tire um it wasn't it was kind of it was 50 50 it was like the the old tire had benefits and 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 positives and negatives and then and the new tire had positives and negatives and negatives and they kind of they kind of overlapped a little bit so you know it was kind of give or take um on i think i think the new tire feels better on the on the entrance to the corner and uh how the bike how the bike enters and slides but i think on the exits it kind of isn't as good as the the older tire so it's kind of give and take um i would say it didn't it didn't affect me it was just another thing i had to get used to so you know probably probably would have been kind of nice to have a full year on one on one setup that wasn't changing you know mm-hmm. because for the first the first half of the year we were setting the bike up around you know one tire and i'm getting used to the bike and everything that goes along with that and then halfway through the year to go to a uh, different spec, which changes the, the ride height of the bike and uh, the gearing of the bike. Also, it changes, uh, you know, it changes, changes things around. So that's another thing that I, I had to get used to. Um, so I would say, I would say, I would say that we stayed pretty level on, on our like performance, and everything. I don't think I really dropped off with the new tire, but I also don't think I uh, improved a lot. So, but now that, now that we know that this year we're going to have the same tire for the whole duration of the year, It's kind of nice just knowing that there's not going to be any more kind of guesswork or or just like waiting for a certain date to get the new tires and kind of see how it goes from there. So uh, I think it it gives me some confidence to just keep going forward with with what we've been doing and and uh, and just keep improving from there and not have to think about anything else.
1: What do you think about that extra soft front, though? Did that did that help you? Did that create another challenge for you?
2: I liked it. Yeah. But it's, it was like the softer the tire got on the 600, the better everything was. So it was like, we just kept asking softer, softer, softer. And uh, for the super bike, there's just, there's just more weight. The brakes are way better. So there's a lot more force on the the front end of the bike. And at some tracks, like honestly, like colder temps and and tracks with not as much grip, the super soft was really nice. But, but then on like a track like Barber, uh, where it was hot and, uh, and the track was already kind of, uh, has kind of like a rough, Rough edges on it, or um, I don't really know how to explain it, but it just didn't feel as good. It felt more like it was pushing a lot, and that that I would kind of have trouble keeping the bike on line and and feeling like it would run wide. And uh, Cameron's still stuck with it, and I'm not really sure how how he did it or how he how he rides with it. But for me, it kind of I went back to the, the 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 harder compound for that race. But it's nice having options. Like I'm really happy that Dunlop has listened to all of us as riders and has had, I think really good compromises for, for what they, what they brought out. And, but then they keep the options open to where we still have, uh, you know, three, three compounds or, or more sometimes to choose from on the race weekend. So it's nice that we all have a chance to, uh, to ride with what we like.
1: So speaking of options, one more tire question, then I'm going to turn it over to Paul to ask you, ask you the next question. But, uh, this was your first year with super pole, uh, and Q tires. What, what did you think about that? How, how did you enjoy it?
2: Yeah, that was that was wild. Like the tires do have so much grip, and and it was it's like some tracks you don't know if you're gonna get two laps, but uh, most of the tracks it's just one lap. So it's just kind of a a crazy idea. It's something hard to grasp mentally because you only got one shot at it, and if you don't get it, like you know you're screwed. You, you just you just missed out on the first two rows of uh, of the grid. So it, it's way different. I'm I'm one of those riders that I like to do a string of laps and put together my best lap on the end of that like you know kind of getting getting used to the speed and everything and the, and uh and going from there that's kind of how my my brain works um and so to try to just like have every be mentally ready for just one lap of of just all out craziness um i didn't always get it right but uh but but it is it is fun like it's something new it's a new challenge and and uh i'm all about challenges so um mm. there was a couple of times I, I man i thought i i thought i had pole i think there was there's twice probably i thought i had a really good shot at it and uh it sucks to not to not get it but um but i love having just unlimited grip for one lap it's it's such a crazy feeling and on a, i found myself just going way slower mid corner and uh and just going straight to the lock with the throttle on the exit and uh and what well, I, I i'm kind of like swapping subjects a little bit but um i just thought it was super weird how i could go the same speed some not not every track but sometimes i would go slower or the same speed on the qualifying tire than i would on the the way less grippy normal tire and hmm. i think it just it's just a crazy it's crazy to just figure out and look at data how lap times are put together because you but it's hard to do the same thing on the tire, a tire with so much grip like um so you have to ride the two tires totally different ways and sometimes you end up with the same lap time so it's just kind of a weird like mind experiment on how uh where lap times come from and and all that kind of stuff. And it was fun to kind of learn about it. And, and, uh, just gave me more information on, on the, how I'm going to keep riding in the future. So it was cool. Yeah.
1: What, what about the fact that with that rear tire, you said you have so much grip, but it really is so much grip only in the rear. Is it weird yeah. to go with a tire, the front, what's it do to the front? And is, you know, is that why yeah, sometimes I, your lap times?
2: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's hard to carry mid corner speed because there's so much grip from the rear. It's like super glue that the, uh, the front can't keep up sometimes. So you'll end up pushing the front, uh, entrance to mid corner. And, and like, if you try to, there's some corners, um, in, in, uh, in the calendar, there's some, there's some tracks in the calendar that have really long radius corners. And it's, it's hard to keep, uh, uh, mid corner, like neutral throttle, because even neutral throttle will want to push the front a lot. And, uh, and so it just, it's just kind of, it's weird, uh, how you have to ride around it and, and yeah, find a different way of going fast. So it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. (laughs)
1: How about that, Paul? It's almost like we are talking to Doug Poland and his analytical mind about yeah, tires. Was, Pretty good. I was huh? actually <laughs> going to say,
0: I haven't talked this much about Dunlop tires since Jim Allen retired. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I want to, I want to ask you a little bit about training. Um, first of all, did you, obviously the superbike probably needs some things maybe in your training different than what the super sport bike did. Did you find out that the hard way or did you train sufficiently for this year or for last year? And are you going to change the way you train for the coming season based on what you learned?
2: I mean, I felt good. I felt kind of like I lacked. It's it's a weird thing. If you're fighting the bike, you can't train hard enough to uh, to last for that 35 minutes. Like if you're fighting the bike for that long, you're going to get tired no matter like what you do. So, I mean, really the... I think that I overtrained a little bit for the 600, and um, that that helped me on the super bike because um, I never felt like I was really lacking for anything. But for sure, when I when I was fighting the bike over last year, and I was kind of having problems just getting the bike to do what I wanted it to, it got tiring, <laughs> you know, for sure. But but then we would go to a, a different track where everything seemed to click and work better, and I was able to be a little bit more relaxed, and and the bike would do what I wanted to do. And man, I felt like I could ride for two hours and not stop. So I think that's kind of, uh, an interesting dynamic of kind of how things work. If, if you can ride relaxed and smooth and, and not be fighting yourself with a bike, man, you can keep going and going and going and, and, uh, and stay mentally focused. But if, man, if you're fighting the bike every corner of every lap and, and, uh, it, it you just can't do it. I, I'm, I don't, I don't believe you can do it. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I feel like I'm in really good shape. I train hard. I have a great trainer back home in uh in Texas that I work with, and we do all of the all the scientific stuff, all the tests and everything. I know exactly what my body needs to to be a hundred percent. I know exactly what I need to do to to peak on on race days, so I have all of that pretty dialed in I have for a while, um which is nice something I don't have to think about but um but I'm just gonna keep doing that and and really, I just same goes back to uh bike setup and and uh just getting just keep getting more comfortable on the bike and, and, uh, keep improving what, what we already have. Cause if I can have an, a nice, easier, easy bike to ride, that does exactly what I want it to man. It's, it's effortless. So That's if we cool. see you worn out,
0: if we see you worn out, we know you missed the setup.
2: Yeah, basically. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's, uh, it's, I as long as everything's working, right. Our sports a lot more mental. Um, but for sure, that, I mean, the thousand is a lot harder to ride. I mean, your arms are getting ripped out of the socket on the exits, but I, you know, I, I don't really have a problem with it, but when I'm like, when the bike's pumping and, and I'm trying to just hold on for my life to keep this thing stable and, and uh then straight into the braking area in the next corner and then, you know, fighting the bike again on the X, it's just, man, it's, it's, uh there's a lot going on. So the slower, the slower that you can make everything feel the the easier it gets. And that's still kind of, what we're working on slowly slow but surely
1: i don't think you've ever had compartment syndrome surgery so do you ever have any issues with arm pump
2: garrett no i've never had issues with arm pump uh well i okay yeah i did it's funny like when i would when i when i would ride 125s which are like you know oh. the, those are nothing those have no power basically compared to what <laughs> i'm riding now i would get arm pump but just because i would hold on so tight as a kid you know like mm. oh my gosh i'm going so fast you know uh <laughs> and and my some it was you know, a couple of times my hand, my right hand, my throttle hand, would get so numb from just the vibrations of the bike and me holding on so tight and that I couldn't feel the the front brake lever. Uh and I would just like go to grab it and, and hope that I felt myself slowing down because I, I couldn't feel it, you know, but it was there. Um mm. so that was that was a little scary, but you know, after I uh after I what had been riding one twenty fives for a while, I got used to it and that that went away and then six hundreds I never had a problem and and, uh, thousands, I haven't either. So I think the key is, uh, yeah, just be relaxed and you gotta let the bike do what it wants to do.
1: You know, Gary, you, you ride a lot of moto. I know you, ri- you ride at three palms quite a bit down in Texas and, you know, I, I worry about it. I got to tell you, because they're the devil's playthings to me. I mean, gosh, you know, <laughs> you got Jake, Gigani broke his tib fib is, is in a cast, you know, Josh Hayes had some issues. Scott Russell had a big off. It happens to all you guys. You train on dirt bikes, but there it seems like that's where you get hurt. Um, but you do it, do you, and you like it. Apparently, you you don't you you don't flat track for training too much, do you?
2: I I would flat track a lot more if there was uh, more places to do it. Uh, it's hard to find a place. A lot of tracks are privately owned, so you kind of have to know the owner to to be invited and stuff. And uh-huh. and uh, I I've been to a couple really good ones but I don't really like going in a circle. There's, um, I, I'd rather do a TT. I'd rather do a TT track when those don't really, there's not too many out there to just go to on the, on every day or the weekend. So that's, that's kind of the reason why I don't flat track as much as I would like to. Um, I think, I think a TT dirt track where you're using the front brake and everything is super, super similar to what we do on, uh, on the road race bike. So I think it's key. I just am still trying to figure out a place to do it consistently so that, I mean, the easiest thing for me is yeah, just to go to a motocross track because they're open all the time, every day, and uh, and you know you pay twenty five bucks or whatever, and you get in and you can do you can ride as much as you want. So economically, it makes sense, and uh, and you're on a bike at the end of the day, which I think is important. For sure, it's a little, little sketchier than, than yeah, probably flat track or um, you know, I, I think everything's relative. Everything has a danger factor to it. If there's sure. if there's a jump that if there's a jump that I don't feel comfortable on or uh, that i 'm not that i don 't feel like i 'm going to be able to do it like i just don 't do it you know i, I don 't let anybody tell me that I need to do it or that i 'm not fast unless I do it like hey if i don't if i if i don 't feel comfortable like i 'm just going to do the stuff that I do feel comfortable with and and uh and work on some technique stuff and just feeling more comfortable on uh on the bike and doing you know a moto and getting that that fitness aspect in also um but you know i I do it to train for the the road race stuff um which I think is key. Like I'm always focused on, Hey, like I'm doing this so that I can be a better road racer at the, at the end of the day. And so if I'm just out there trying to just hit big jumps, which is fun and I, I do it sometimes, but you know, I, I try to keep my mind on the, on the, on the goal at, at hand and the prize at the end of the day. And, you know, I'm doing this to be a better road racer. So mm-hmm. I try to do things around that idea. Um, and it is a way different sport, but it is nice to to be riding with other guys and have to kind of, Man, if if you guys have ever ridden motocross you, and your race or you're riding with other 450s, you know how bad the roost hurts. Like the, the rocks and stuff that get shot <laughs> up from a bike in front of you is crazy. How like it hurts bad. I don't know how the pro guys do it for uh, for 30 minutes, but um, it's not fun. And it really teaches you to to have your eyes up and to focus on different lines and different ways of going fast so that you can get around that rider. And I, I like that aspect. It keeps your uh, I think it keeps your mind sharp and kind of that. Hand-eye coordination and 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 things like that. So that's kind of one of the reasons why I stick to it. But I do try to be you know as safe as I can.
1: Do you do you still have a rod in your leg in your femur from uh from Daytona?
2: Yeah, I do. That, that so, uh, yeah, got the scars and everything. <laughs>
1: so when Mookie went down this past weekend, I'm sure you saw it and you heard about his femur. You were probably thinking, uh, I, oh, yeah, I, I felt
2: definitely-
1: it. Yeah, I felt oh, it. Yeah. You-
2: yeah, I felt it for sure. It was. Uh, I I feel bad for him. I hope he has a uh, fast recovery. But uh, yeah. But yeah, I, uh, there's a funny story about the fear of the rod in my leg, the screws at the bottom by my knee were, were starting to kind of come out a little bit and, and bothering my, uh, some of the tendons around my knee. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go get them taken out. But when I got to the doctor's office, uh, I, I had had to drive that night back to Sacramento cause I was in, I was in LA. So I had to drive back to Sacramento that night, like no option. Like I had to do it and it was a seven hour drive and you know, I to the doctor, I'm like, Hey, like, uh, so I'm going to be able to like, get out of here after, you know, you put me under and I'm gonna be able to drive back home. Right. He was like, like, what are going to drive back home mm-hmm. tonight? Like, no way you could, you, if you do have anesthesia, you got to like, you, you can't leave. You got to stay here. And, uh, and so I was, I was like, no way. Like I got to get back. So I had, uh, just a local anesthesia and they took out the screws in my, oh my leg with, while, while, while I was awake and it was, oh, <laughs> it was the worst <laughs> thing I've ever decided to do. But at least I can say I did it. This sad, like, eight nurses or uh, I had eight nurses looking at me with the hats on and things covering their mouth. And, and I had the, the doctor kind of talking <laughs> me through it. And, and him having like a torque wrench, taking the, the leg, the bolts <laughs> out of my leg. And gosh, man, I was, I had cold sweats and I had nightmares about that for uh, like months after <laughs> that actually happened. It's uh the, yeah, it was one of the worst the, things ever, but I did it. So
0: the worst part of that so story uh, is you went through, you went through all that pain to go to Sacramento
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i drove i got i left the hospital and the, that anesthesia was still there in my leg so like i was able, i was able to walk out and it felt weird because i could feel the rod being able to move a little bit in my uh, bone because uh but before it couldn't you know so there was like some weird stuff i had to get used to i get in a truck and I'm, i drive for like an hour uh you know and i stop in santa clarita or something to get uh get a coffee because i had to drive all night and uh, I get out of the truck and take my first step and almost collapse because the anesthesia wore off, and I really realized like how much pain I was in. And oh wow! Dude, it was it was horrible, but <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, don't break your femur, kids.
1: Yeah. <laughs> how, how is it now? So you're it's good now. I mean that that those screws yeah, came no, out.
2: I, okay. I don't even think about it. It's all good. I run all the time, and yeah, I have no problems. So. Man,
1: that was crazy. I've
0: got a oh, question yeah. for you. Paul? Who's the fat? Who's the fastest (laughs) motocrosser? Who's the fastest motocrosser in our paddock?
2: I would, well, uh, I mean, when Jake Gagne was still around, I would say Jake, I mean, he wrote, he got 20th or 21st in a pro moto in a four, in the four hundred and fifty class at Utah. So I think that definitely qualifies him as number one. Um, I mean, I think we're, I think we're all pretty good. I know Cameron's really fast on a motorbike. Um, I'd like to say I'm in the, I'm in the top three, but we'd have to have a moto America race to really find out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but I know, uh, like Schultz is really strong too. I've seen videos of him riding. He looks real fast. Cameron Peterson looks like he rips. So, uh, I'd say it's a pretty stacked top five, but, uh, it will be kind of fun to have like a little Moto America moto race <laughs> one day. Oh yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure up, the guys. Kings would be all over that. Oh yeah. hundred percent. It'll be after yeah. the last race. So we'll be good. There you go. <laughs> yeah. You know,
1: we're hearing rumors. I think I can say this, Paul. Um, we're hearing rumors, by the way, uh, Garrett, you, mentioned used to be in our paddock there he may be back in our paddock jake gagne we don't know the particulars quite yet but uh it sounds like it's something that might happen so um if we do have a motocross thing you're gonna have jake to contend with although he's got a broken tip fib right now so that's pretty yeah, that's pretty yeah. rough
2: well it's gonna be a battle for second then <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. but uh but i'm um, pumped to see if, if he does come back that that would be awesome uh it was really cool to see him get the opportunity to go to europe and and take a swing at that. I know the the bike that he had was uh, not the easiest to ride, but I think he did awesome and and was right there with Camille uh, a lot of or uh, Camille a lot of a lot of the time. And yeah, no, I think he uh, he did awesome. So, um, but if he comes back, even, even better.
1: Let's talk about Europe a little bit, Garrett. I mean, you're you know speaking. We we know one of the reasons you're becoming fluent in, in Spanish is be so that you can you know get get along over there and deal with you know the foreign language in languages in that country you know it seemed like at one time you were kind of focused a little bit on moto 2 i get the impression with cameron that if he was going to do anything he might go to world superbike i don't really hear you talking about that much about world superbike i'm sure you take any opportunity you could but now that you're on a superbike would you consider moto 2 or where do you what's your pathway going to be now
2: yeah i don't know i think it's it's just going to have to be the the best opportunity wherever it is um You know, I don't want to be like, oh, like I'm only going to do Moto2 and nothing else, because I think that's kind of that's not the best way to go about it. Um, You got to get your foot in the door and you got to start making your uh, name for yourself and go from there. Um, There's not like an easy, like fast track to do it for any of these guys, for any of the Europeans, for any of the Americans. So um, just I'm hoping, you know, I really am fighting. I really want to, you know be able to, I really want to have people look at me and be like, all right, that guy can do the job. Like we want him. And uh, that's what I want to try to prove this year is that I'm, I'm no, I'm no slouch and that I I have what it takes to, to, to be over there and to be competitive. And I mean, we'll see, Um, you know, if things, if things line up, that's, that's awesome. And that's definitely where I want to end up. That's uh, that's really my, my main goal is I want to ride with the, the best guys in the world. And I think a lot of the best guys in the world are in our series right now. Um, mm-hmm. But for sure, the the whole world championship is uh, is prestigious, and and I'd like a shot at it. So one day. Um, but I'm uh, I'm going to be doing everything I can. I I'm going to try to go to uh, as many races as I can this year and just be put my name out there to to see if anybody takes a bite for for 2020. But we'll see, we'll see. Um, if not, I. Uh, i'm just appreciative i'm appreciative for any offer that i that i'm that I can get uh whether it's here or in europe uh there's a lot of people spending a lot of money and and I just want to give whoever gives me the shot uh no matter where it is the, the best results that i can and and uh help them get their their money's worth so that's uh, that's always the goal.
1: And would it be when you say world championship, would it be or could it be world superbike as much as Moto GP or Yeah, a hundred percent.
2: A hundred percent. Anywhere. Um, you know, I just I would like to get my foot in the door. Um, I like uh like Joe Roberts made a pretty good path going through C E V and then into the Moto Two World Championship. Uh it's not it's not the easiest path to go through, but he did it really well and and uh and he's obviously done an awesome job since then. Uh and mm-hmm. he keeps moving forward. So I hit for him, everything lined up pretty well, uh, pretty perfectly. At least me talking from the outside, not seeing all the internal stuff, but, um, you know, it. I just, I just want to see if I can get a shot at it. And uh, if I do, like, I'm going to go for it and yeah, we only got one life to live. So I, I don't want to look back with any regrets saying I didn't try something. Uh, you know, I, I want to give it up my all. So we'll see.
1: Do Paul, I've, got, I've co- got one other thing I want to ask. So you go ahead, Paul, because I'm going to. I've got something I'm going to follow up on. It's a little wacky, but it's we're getting towards the end, so I want to make sure you get your stuff in there before I go off the deep end here.
0: <laughs> well, my question, my question is the fact that our series now is so competitive, and there's some obviously some guys, Tony and Cameron and and Heron that 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 have made a name for themselves um, in one way or another. Do, do I mean is it to the point now we're winning a few races here? is enough to, to get you noticed or do you think somebody actually has to go out and dominate this series in order to get that chance?
2: I, I think, I mean, I think winning a race here is a, is a huge accomplishment in the superbike class. Like, I mean, there's no, there's no slouch in our class. Um, but I think a lot of it is kind of like out of sight, out of mind. So, um, you know, if, if there, if guys in Europe and teams in Europe aren't constantly seeing what's going on over here, it's just kind of, it's not really thought about. So, um, I think in I think in general it's going to have to be somebody willing to take a risk and and uh, to go over there and, and just start kind of from zero and and make I I know for sure Joe Roberts doing what he's doing um, I think is helping us uh, you know in a way get get American names out there but um, yeah there's no there's no one way one way to do it so it's just kind of you know how everything lines up and if it lines up but uh i'm gonna be doing the, everything i can to make sure it does okay That's sean cool. wrap this so, thing up for us
1: okay so garrett you know I've, i you know that i've known you for a long time heck i remember when you first showed up at new jersey and and raced in super sport uh that first time you turned pro uh right after turning well i think it was 16 so i've known your family for a long time and think the world of them uh, in fact, I'm giving him a shout out here. And I think I've told you this before, so this won't be creepy when I say again, I, ha- I definitely have a crush on your mom. I have a total crush on your mom.
2: And oh, I'm an That's equal- not creepy I'm- at all. Easy, Sean. Back off. Back off. I've <laughs> told you that before.
0: Part, <laughs> which part's not creepy?
2: <laughs> well, none of it is. Hey, none this, of it is. This better be that when we put this on Instagram, this better be the highlight part that actually gets, <laughs> gets on well, the Instagram. Right,
1: page. right. The sound that we use. Well, I'm an equal I'm an equal opportunity crusher, Garrett, and I also have a crush on your dad too. That guy's a badass. And I want to ask you about your family. I want to ask you about your family. I want to ask you about your dad because I saw I know he has some back issues. And I saw you had posted that photo of him. And wow, how's he doing? I mean, he had some surgery, didn't he?
2: Yeah, he had his lower back fused, like all of it. I don't, I oh, know, I'm not sure from which vertebrae, vertebrae to, to which vertebrae, but uh it was a pretty decent amount and, and yeah, like after right after surgery, he, he they I mean they make you do it, but but still a lot of people pass out before they actually stand up and he was actually able to stand up and walk around. So he's uh, he's definitely a bad dude and I'm glad to have those genes in me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well,
1: he I, he used to race moto. Did he hurt his back doing that? What's the back issue? Is it just something happened
2: yeah it's just uh yeah motocross definitely isn't easy on your body and and uh i think it, i think it started from that and then he's also he used to be a bodybuilder too and so he's just got a lot of uh, he's always had a lot of pressure on his whole whole body and uh, you know i think all of that kind of didn't help him so uh a combination of things but yeah motocross was uh definitely didn't help yeah and the, he was he was a two, he was the 2005 world vet champion of loretta Loretta, no, not Loretta Lynn's. Uh, uh, Glenn, Glenn Helen. Or I can't remember where he won it, but he's, he he has like it. technically a world world yeah. champion for 30, 35 and over, thirty five and over four fifty class. But he's world champ, so pretty that's pretty so cool. pumped about that. Yeah,
1: that's really cool. Proud. Um, but the prognosis is better with now that he's had the back fuse. Is it going to help? Is he going to be better from it?
2: Yeah, I think so. It's been like a month now or two months, and he yeah. called me the other day saying he felt awesome. Like, uh, it's the least amount of pain. That he's had in a while so i think that's really promising and as long as he uh as long as he can keep you know he's not he's one of those go-getter guys and he doesn't like to stop so as long as he can stay kind of still for a while and just do the minimum i think um and let everything heal the way it should he's gonna be uh better than he was before which is awesome well i think the world
1: of your family i I, go ahead pop
0: does he own guns oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) i I, do I got, I got three guns in my room. He might want to keep an eye on Bice, you know, around the mom and stuff. So I'm just <laughs> no, making sure he, he knows. He can... Well, if his batteries on not work, he can still shoot you from the couch, you idiot.
1: <laughs> it's it's funny. I think I think oh, Garrett knows, I, I think Garrett knows that first year that he won the championship. I mean, Garrett, you probably remember this. I was I was texting your mom after every race to let her know oh, how you were doing God. and stuff like that. No, you knew that. She knows that too. I mean, I you know, well, we were on the team together. It was kind of part of yeah. my thing. So. Um, or if he that when you had hurt your finger that time, I remember, you know, I said, "No, he's okay, everything's good." But hey, I have a crush on Grace and his brother too. It's like it's on an equal opportunity. The family's awesome. I, I love the whole family. So, oh, Sean, Sean, Sean,
2: what's, it what's your address again? Yeah. Wait, what did Sean, you say, what's it, what's it, uh, Sean? What's your address? I'm coming for you.
1: Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Some, somewhere somewhere in in the in the land of ohio where the banjos play on the porch let Come me on. just say that
0: so. I, I just oh, sean man. did you did you ever think you'd get to the age where you had crushes on racers moms um i
1: i i kind of i get crushes so easily on all kinds of people but yeah um but she's just cut, cool cut. i mean garrett, garrett garrett knows his mom's super cool he knows that so yeah, it's cool. Well, you're cool. You're cool too, Sean. I,
0: all right, thanks. On, that, on right. that note, before you guys start hugging, um <laughs> let's put an end. let's put an end to this. And Garrett, thanks for joining us. Um I know we caught you on a pretty good day because it's raining. There's probably not a lot else you can do, but thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, you and, trapped uh, me. <laughs> we'll have you back again. Um <clears throat> you're always a good guest and a good interview. So thanks for that. And uh Sean. I don't even know what to say to you anymore. <laughs> God, no, Get ready, get ready for
1: next week's story.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it, it's
2: just, yeah. I'm just
0: worried that one day we're going to yeah, have to yeah. share a room.
2: I can see the oh, headline now. I can see the, the headline now. Texas man goes to Ohio and, and shoots <laughs> down. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'm specimen. <laughs> Especially with those a- Colt 45s that,
1: that Garrett Willis gave you a couple of years ago with the holsters. <laughs> I hope they were fake. Those things were scary,
2: I'll tell you. Yeah, no, they were fake. That was just that was cool. <laughs> that was a nice touch, wasn't it? That that was very cool. Yeah, it was yeah. Re- it
0: was really cool. Okay, yeah. thanks you guys and uh thanks to our listeners and however you choose to listen to your podcast, make sure you sign up for ours and uh and those good little companies'll notify you when the when the show's up and ready to go. So Sean, I'll talk to you next week, and Garrett, I'm sure I'm going to run into you here pretty soon.
2: Oh yeah, so, that's great. Man. Well, thanks a lot, guys, for having me. Uh, thanks to everybody that supports me and that's that's uh, been behind me through this whole journey. And uh, yeah, looking forward to better things this year. Um, and yeah, if you follow Moto America on Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff, and follow me at Garrett Garloff, Instagram, Twitter, all the good stuff. And uh, and yeah, see you guys soon. All right, thanks, good Garrett, boy. You. Thank you. Bye.